Jingle bells. Jingle those bells. It is season three, episode three of Book Record Beer. Ladies and gents, this is our, could we say holiday episode? I, I guess we have. Yes. Yeah, sure. absolutely. It's America. You I think say whatever we want to do <laughs> now. <laughs> you made it one, too. Yeah. You, you made it one fully. This is a, this is a Dan, a Dan-sode, if you will. Keyboard Dan. Keyboard Dan-sode. Um, and, of course, we are uh, graced with the presence of our good friend and colleague, one Franco Fiorini, on this cast. Uh, you may recall from season one, we had another holiday episode talking about Joyce that time. This time we're looking at uh, another, not R.K., but older writer, anyone Charles Dickens. We'll be looking at Chucky D. A Christmas <laughs> Carol by good old Chuck D. We uh, you wouldn't. The original Chuck D, if you will. Yeah. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be looking at uh, Weezer's. That's not wrong either. No, it's, it's not, not too far off. Yeah, mm. good stuff. Uh, we'll OG Chuck D. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be looking at Weezer's Christmas album, mm-hmm. and of course Sierra Nevada's Celebration Ale. A good combo, I think. Uh, the Weezer, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I was a little torn uh, with how to introduce mm. you, you fine gentlemen. Because I, I had the inclination at first to just go, what what Dickensian character would you be, right? Because we oh, have this, this cast of Dickensian characters. <laughs> but I didn't go that way. Oh. I, and, and, girl, you might be pleased in the route that I, I chose. I went with more of the, the meta Christmas Carol in the seminal 1988 film Scrooge. Yes. <laughs> well, right? Solid gold dancers. Right? That's who I would be. I <laughs> you don't get to pick. <laughs> That's the thing. Don't this is quit a, fucking around A here. bit of a fascist state I, uh, I pick for everybody. Except for, you know, Keyboard Dan gets me. Solid but um, so, so here we go. Uh, Daniel, I'm going to start with you. You in that film would be Bobcat Goldthwaite. Yes. Mm-hmm. The man who... On Christmas, uh, loses his job, kind of just is 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 okay with things, kind of doing all right up until he snaps. And I think that you would be that that gentleman. So where in, it's all in. good right until, but when he goes, he goes. Yeah. And then he's walking around the office with a shotgun. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing holes through walls oh, so good. with Jeez. reckless abandon. Um, so that's you. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick, you would be uh, the homeless dude, Herman. That sounds about right. I think so, too. Uh, he's a sweetie, number one. Number and homeless. And <laughs> <laughs> it was mostly the last scene with him where he's holding the watch and his cheeks are all rosy. And I was like, because when I look across, the beard covers all but the, the cheeks. The cheeks, yeah. yeah. So um, the image was there. And, uh, you know, I, I frankly think, you know, if anybody's going to warm Bill Murray backslash Scrooge's heart, uh, it would be you. You're sweet. You're sweet. That's why I picked it. Um, and then, Franco, I think you, uh, I have you chosen as the brother to one Bill Murray. Oh, nice. And I think it's because you have this uh, sort of like uncharacteristic of the Gen, in- Gen X period in which we grew up. Um, you're not like super jaded. Uh, for some reason, which which blows my mind, and I feel like you would still hold out hope 
for b- your brother Bill Murray in the way that the brother does. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't let him go. You'd be like, nah, he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I fall on that millennial cusp. Yes. Yeah. 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 As do I. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. We're aspects. we're uh, early millennials, I guess you could say. Yeah. So so that that glimmer of, hope, of hope is there. still there. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. So that, broken dreams. Yeah, right, well, I wanted to go. I wanted to go on a positive uh, spin here because when we get into the novel, I'm going to take it in a different route. <laughs> oh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Is that foreshadowing? If you just say, say exactly what you're going to, I don't. I don't <laughs> think so. There was no. <laughs> that was I'm going to shit on this. Shrouded yeah. in nothing. <laughs> shrouded in nothing. You are. I got two for you. Okay. You are either um, Bill Murray's father okay. that comes home. Yeah, and here's yeah. here's here's your. Here's your Here's your pound uh, of meat. That's so Christmas. perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you a like because you, you were a butcher <laughs> yeah. and you like cooking. Yeah, meat. That's in fact, true. that's it. That's who you are. There we go. There that's go. Pretty, <laughs> too perfect. Five pounds of milk-fed veal. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what that goes into his market? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of present that is? <laughs> no respect. He doesn't say that, but yeah, damn yeah. close. Good stuff. I yeah. dig it. I dig it. Um, all right, so. Well, I do. I do want to talk about that a little bit because I was when I started thinking about that. It really is such a meta analysis of all the stuff that goes on in A Christmas Carol. Um, but I do want to begin. Of course, uh, there's a lot of things that are coming out now that I was unaware of with A Christmas Carol, in terms of where uh, Chuck D was when writing it, in terms of like his life and Chuck career, yeah. and. Uh, and of course, like persistent <laughs> Dickens is known. I switched back. Uh, Dickens is known for crafting these characters of like sort of like the everyman and, and, and those who are in strife and struggle. And what's interesting about A Christmas Carol is not so much that it departs from that entirely. But when looking back on it, I really wondered who the everyman was meant to be in this particular text, whereas in the others, it's almost immediately there. Um, and maybe you can make the argument that it is in this as well. But I thought this was a bit of a departure from his previous work um, because I, I saw more of a focus on, um, I would say, a, a particular aim in this that, that isn't necessarily as clear in the others. Right? So we'll get into that in a minute, but I do want to start us uh, for our listeners, a brief uh, summary of the text. If someone want to take that, um, I, I want Daniel to give some historical background. Uh, someone will give a brief. Nick, say again. What goes on in this novel? Uh, it's about a curmudgeonly rich son of a bitch who I call him a miser, uh, <laughs> a miser, if you will. <laughs> so would Dickens. <laughs> They'd probably assign that to as his last name if it wasn't Scrooge. Yeah. What a I nice think Dickens name. did call him a miser. <laughs> well, there it is. <laughs> um, and he is—he's um, a particularly bad guy. And then he's visited by his former business partner um, and warned that if he that he's going to see all of these uh, spirits that are going to show him some shit, and if he doesn't change his ways, he uh, will die alone. And uh, throughout the novel, obviously, or novella, or whatever they're calling it. Um, yeah, I think by just word count it'd yeah. be a novella, but um, it's, it is called a novel a bunch. Yeah. And then throughout the novel, he meets three ghosts who show him different facets, past, present, uh, Christmas is yet to come, and he decides to eventually change his ways um, as he sees that he is having no impact on the world, much less a positive one. Right. So he's yeah. just going to die and be nothing. Absolutely. Nicely done. Um, so that is essentially the story. I feel like most people are probably familiar with it. 
uh, interestingly, more so not so much by the novel, but perhaps a uh, you know dramatic production. The thousands of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about Scrooge is you know of course Bill Murray is a head of a television company, and they are putting on a production of. Christmas Carol mm-hmm. um, and he is the embodiment of Scrooge and completely unawares uh, that that is who he is which is which is I like the meta sort of like levels there um, Daniel do you want to give us some history though of what Charles Dickens is doing when he writes this and and, and sort of the, the history surrounding this because I feel like that's super interesting a movie actually just came out what was it last, was it last year? year the man who invented Christmas yeah. yep Ooh, I yeah yeah yeah, I I, uh, I just saw it pop up the other day, and I was like, oh, v- super interesting, because you had mentioned to me all this information, and then I saw that pop up, and I was like, oh, wow, someone's... Uh, it someone's ain't half bad either. It's a bit of a whitewash. Of quite a bit, okay. but it ain't <laughs> half bad. <laughs> it was possible to whitewash Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> he was a son of a bitch. And he they, did not like his wife. And even. He, they did not Ooh. present him as such. Yeah. Um, he was just a... He was a good dude down on his luck, <laughs> trying to write a book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I guess the broad strokes of the history, um, Dickens had written a few novels and he was, uh, you know, trying to attain this upward mobility and he was essentially spending more than than he was taking in, which uh, I guess a lot of... I to guess, appear. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was faking it till he made it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he sort of had fallen out of fashion for some reason or another and his creditors would not uh, back another book for him mm-hmm. so he came to a publisher he said i am going to secure financing and it's going to be exactly what i want and i'm going to have it to you by christmas and this is in late october so <laughs> the, myth- the mythology is he wrote this entire book in six weeks from you know conception yep. to book design like he wanted it to be this little red book with gold foiling with these four colored plates even the artist was like i can't I can't do that in fucking. Sick. What you're asking is impossible. And Dick's like, make it so. <laughs> make it so. Yeah. Patrick Stewart yeah. reference, who at one point played him. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Oh. So the book. Well done. The book uh, was out on December nineteenth in eighteen forty-three, just fucking in time, beautiful. just in time for Christmas, and it was sold out by December twenty-third. Love it. And he, uh, I, I have some figures here because I think it cemented his legacy. It sure did. did. Busting his ass. Uh, and then he started writing for the next five or six years, I think. He wrote a few more Christmas stories, um, uh, The Chimes uh, and The Cricket on the Hearth. And there might have been an, another one. I think there was a fourth. But yeah, I'm not sure. Um, so he made not a lot of money because he was, he kind of went into this endeavor uh, with, with, uh, with a debt already. Exactly, yeah. And he wanted the production to it be took exactly more almost, yeah. what he wanted it to be. Um, so the first edition brought him only, this is straight from Wikipedia, which is a great site. Um, if you like it, you should support it. If you don't, fucking don't. <laughs> um, the it's first a running BRB theme. The first edition <laughs> brought him only 230 pounds, which is in 2018, that's 21,000 pounds. So in uh, British pounds, that's probably what, maybe $30,000? Yeah. Yeah. It's, nothing it's, to sneeze at. Nothing to sneeze at at all. But we got to you know, consider what debt might have been. But rather... Than the thousand pounds he expected, which is equal to ninety thousand pounds. Oh, okay. Right. So he had. He saw. He saw like no mortgage, and he got like a new kitchen. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> oh, you're you, gonna put it in whatever. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> however the fuck that came out, whatever. I mean, he he moved houses quite a bit. The yeah. house in London, in uh, what's the neighborhood? Um, Camden? I forget the neighborhood. It's uh, it's up near Kings Cross and uh, Sharon Cross Station. Um, gotcha. Sharon Cross Station near Kings Cross. Dude, I have no idea. Okay, well, it's definitely near. <laughs> I've never been. It's definitely near Kings Cross. <laughs> I don't know. It's where wherever Harry Potter goes to you go. You were to. just there. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Not long ago. Well, he's got to go to the train station <laughs> <laughs> to get platform on the platform nine, nine and three quarters. quarters. Yeah, yeah right. It's near. <laughs> it's near there. It's. It That's was like. Kings Cross. Yeah. It was like his second house, and it's a beautiful house. Um, Isn't it amazing the the like producing great art, right? They're doing this, but then like. To be recognized and to have people sort of become your fan base, you have to almost present as such, yeah. as if you are this this great artist by all this materialist stuff. Like you look at Kafka, he lived in like a hovel near the castle, you know, and he's not recognized in his own time. But these people who are are putting on these airs to kind of yeah. make it so, make it so, <laughs> make it so number one. Twice. Well, that was twice. Um, oh, number one. Like, okay, never mind. <laughs> Almost. Uh, so th- to, <laughs> to wrap up this introduction of the mythology behind this, uh, a year later, the profits were only 744 uh, pounds, which is probably, what, like 60,000? Yeah. Still a lot. Still um, a lot yeah. And according to Wikipedia, uh, and Dickens was deeply disappointed. So he created this thing which cemented him. This is sort yeah. of like his first, not his first big hit, but it was his... You know, he had a couple albums, a couple of hit singles yeah. that people are like, oh, this guy's pretty good. And then he comes out and releases OK Computer. And people are like, holy oh, shit. This guy's, <laughs> this guy's here for the long haul. We like this guy. Yeah. Um, but he was not happy with, with the monetary rewards. Yeah. That um, makes sense. But allowed him to write his other stuff. He oink, was going pig. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what is that even from? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, just, uh, it's, it's charming this mind. idea of. The mind of, Nick. <laughs> of of an artist that is so singularly driven yeah. with with a time frame yeah. of really and he was a young man I think he was only 20 or 29 when he wrote this and it was just this hunger of this is either going to make me or or break me and I've got a wife with I think like three or four kids already yep. because that's all she is to me is just this thing that's going to put out kids and I'm going to hate her in 10 years he knows I don't can't know. stop won't stop yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so that that was striking. I learned that last year at the Morgan Library in New York. Every year they have a Christmas Carol exhibit. They've got an original manuscript. Yeah. Um. They've got mm-hmm. some early drafts. Morgan Library is one of the coolest. Yeah. Uh, not to plug, uh, uh, but that is the just coolest collection that mm-hmm. I've ever I've ever seen. And the way that it's housed is fascinating because it was his home. So it's it has this really sort of innate feel to it that's yeah. different from sort of the Morgan cold. Library on Madison Avenue in New York for our yeah. listeners. And it looks like a, a fucking prison from the outside. Yeah. And then you go inside and it's just this ornate, huge hearth. It's it's amazing. Um, he yeah. couldn't have slept while he was making this, right? I mean, just Dickens? from yeah, just from the stress of all the money he had to pour into it and the fact that he had to get it done. Well, in the in two months, like he couldn't six have weeks, been, six weeks. Yeah. So he couldn't have been sleeping. Like this guy it's must have been under intense pressure from him his own self but do we think that it's it's that way because of the quality of the prose because you can read post office by bukowski his first work which he did in four 17 weeks. days 17 days yeah i think he, he said he was going to write 10 pages done, done a month 
I, th- I thought it was 10 pages a day until he was done. Bukowski, in any case, let's say... Oh, it was a very short amount of time. Yeah, like, like a, uh, two-thirds of the time or half the time. Yeah, he was he, drunk a lot, so it might so, not have mattered. So this, but this is what I'm saying. But you read that, and you go, oh, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, you read Post Office, and you, you're not like... But you read this, you see its lasting impact, and you just see the quality of the prose, and you go, oh, oh, what the fuck? How is it even possible? And I don't know. I, I, I find that, like, are we now conditioned to expect less and not just realize that there might be an an inherent talent that that you go and 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 you're able to produce at this level um and time is 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 not really that much of a factor are are we i'm basically what i'm saying now is 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 it surprising to us now because we live now then uh perhaps then because when we look back then frankly novels were a lower art form than they are now you know i mean poetry was held up so is it is it one of those things where he was really struggling for the recognition that he knew he deserved and it was viewed as less because just frankly the art form in which he was working was viewed as less his style is very uh modern i would say yeah but he's kind of verbose mm-hmm. and i think some at times if, if he had go on a tear yeah if he has an idea i feel like from reading a lot of dickens he could rip off not rip off he could just bang out uh, pages yeah. just because of the way he's going to describe something in his natural voice. Yep. I'd agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So perhaps it's that. It's just his individual style. But yeah. And so, like, you know, Bukowski's post office, you read that, and that's that sounds like a guy just telling you a story. It's like his diary. Yeah. 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 So. And then it gets real weird, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Did you just like forget what happened and then do this thing? Yeah. But in any case, so that was my initial reaction, frankly, when I was looking at it. I was like, it's impressive. I was, I was impressed. I was really impressed knowing what you had told me before reading it. And frankly, I hadn't read it before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd only seen productions and things of that nature. And to read it for me, I started picking up on little socio political things throughout that I didn't notice the first time. Uh, or in viewing the productions, perhaps they're cut, perhaps they're just most productions over. Uh, really trim quite a bit off of what is already a very slim yeah. uh, piece of work. So, so yeah. I'll start by saying my my initial reaction was that that I noticed a lot of socio political stuff that was in there that I hadn't noticed before, mm-hmm. and secondly that it really reminded me like how much of kind of a modern writer he was even in the time period in which he's writing, where when you see his contemporaries. Um, he is distinctly different, and I see a lot of what I read now, especially in reading this and reading a bunch of Flash, just for sake of time now. I see such a connection between the two there, hmm. um, and I'm not sure if anybody else had thoughts on that or, hmm. or had their own sort of reactions uh, in, in reading it because I hadn't read it before. Um, I had only seen production, so I found it really hmm. fruitful to read it hmm. um, just to do comparisons to the ones we all know, like Oliver Twist and, and the like. Yeah, I audiobooked it, and it was a very bad audiobook. Um, and yeah, I who was it? it? I don't fucking know. Some <laughs> bum, but some, like some. It, it bum was just very bad, and I, I, I felt as if I did myself a disservice yeah. if I'm being completely honest, hey, because it happens. It just, I, I didn't pull what I wanted to pull from it. Mm. Um, I think because of you know the time period in which we live, and when he wrote it, like we've seen this story a thousand times across every medium. Yep. for our entire lives and even further back um so in listening to the book you know i'm like wow this is really a giant cliche and then i thought no it, it this was the the original this was the first thing but because of yep. my perspective everything else is the facts every right yeah you know mm-hmm. so it was like really I, I was swept up in this idea that 
I, I just wasn't getting what I wanted to get out of it right. only because I've seen it a thousand times and mm. because it was a poor production of an audiobook. So to, to make a comparison, I feel like a lot of my students feel that way when I introduce them to Lovecraft mm. is they'll go, I've seen this a million times. Like we, I like the color from outer space. So we do that first. And they're all like, this is fuck, this is just like Oculus. So this is just like this. And they name all these movies and different mm. horror films and stuff. And I go, no, this came out. 1890 yep. what are you talking about yeah. or 1910 or something like that i'm like what do you and and uh, i don't actually stay like that. i go well let's think for a moment you know what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with more. you kid <laughs> <laughs> but but you understand like yeah. it, it's it's one of those things so i i i could definitely you know? see that and yeah. like i knew i know of course yeah. I, like that this was the original thing like this is mm-hmm. the 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 text that mm-hmm. spawned this sort of story yeah um but even still because i'm 33 in 2018 it's just like it, it felt tired. Yeah, and I did myself a disservice because I audiobooked it. Frankly. You got to get the Patrick Stewart one. It's abridged, which uh, it's actually very, very good. Uh, 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 how do you say that? Abridged. Abridgement. 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 There we go. Made it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it real. I was going with abridgation, and I was like, "That's not that's right. That's not right at all." Abrogation. Abrogation. I like it better just because yeah. it's fun to yeah. say. Uh, so when Dickens went on tour, uh, this was so. This was a cash cow for him, even if it wasn't um, from the actual sales. People sure. loved to hear him read his stories because he, important because thing, he yeah. was an actor. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be an actor, and he was huge into um, uh, the theater. Do we think this was written with that in mind? I don't know if it was written in mind, but he certainly did it. And when he would read it, no one's going to listen to it to a guy talk for three and a half hours. I mean, they, I'm sure they did, right? But he. he the Patrick Stewart one is an hour and 47 minutes. And my understanding is it's very close to mm. the copy that Dickens read from. Uh, really? So when you, super cool. and it's Patrick Stewart doing it. Listen, I've read yeah. this He's probably not. three or five times over my life. And then I listened to the Patrick Stewart audiobook, And, um, there was like things that I was like, Oh, they're missing that, that sentence. Yeah. You know, but, no shit, yeah. but the, we get it. You know it well. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, I'm giving Patrick Stewart a credit. The, uh, the uh, the abrogimentation <laughs> abridgment abridgment we're going with abridgment All right. it was <laughs> it was done flawlessly and yeah. he didn't miss anything so, so you would say he made it so yeah and I would <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so Nick I'm gonna get you a copy of that cause oh. as a Star Trek fan yeah. Oh, yeah. and someone that had a shitty experience with this yeah uh, you, you owe it to yourself I, yeah, yeah I did myself a total that's disservice like, that's like two car rides man yeah, no. Well, I did it over the entire week. It was the f- it was unabridged. It was fucking terrible. Oh, Whoever man. was yeah. reading it, like they they must have pulled Jeez. him off the street. <laughs> he was just just Less. a hot dog salesman. And then Marley came to Scrooge. <laughs> say from South Philly. Come on, guys. <laughs> That's so, obviously not what it's it sounded like. Somebody sitting in the back of Philip's steak. <laughs> yeah. The fuck is this book? I'm going to read it out loud not- for no reason. <laughs> So record it. Just a hanging right. SM57. Let's. <laughs> so talking about, um, you know, kind of a bridge telling us this story, my history with, uh, with this is actually listening to it as well. My grandfather had a copy of Basil Rathbone reading it. Um, Who is that? He's uh, this 
great order of like the 19 i guess 30s through 50s no shit so it was on vinyl i have have a reading of the raven with him doing it as well but um the the record was just destroyed by the time i think my grandfather passed away i don't i I didn't get i didn't grab it but i found it on itunes actually the recording no kidding it's only did it hold up the nostalgia oh yeah it was great i think it only covers two sides what would be the equivalent of two sides of vinyl Um, oh wow so that's like 30 but it's got like um you know, sound effects in the back. It's done like a radio play, basically. Is it just wow. one record? It's just one record. Oh, that's super abridged. It's super yeah. abridged. Oh, it's super abridged. I mean, it's it's like taking it and just saying we're gonna do this performance of it. Right? Yeah. Wow. Which um I loved. I mean, I that's pretty cool. I used yeah. to ask my grandfather put it on like multiple times during the Christmas season, listen to it, and uh, I, I was able to find it find it on iTunes or somewhere. Found it digitally, which was really cool because I I used to play it for um my students. Um, we were talking about, you know, kind of the fact that Dickens, you know, uh, kind of minted this, this yes. story, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, like the ideas of, of ghosts and redemption really, you know, go back in, in literature a long way. And, and Dickens loving the theater and, and, and having a real passion for the theater. I think that, you know, um, Shakespeare was often an, an, a, 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 uh, an analog and a source for him. So, for instance, in... Um, in Great Expectations, right? Uh, at one point, Pip goes and sees a production of Hamlet, and the uh, right, the right. guy who's who's doing the, the the playing the part of Hamlet is a complete buffoon. Like he's doing this really hard sawing of the air and all this stuff, which is exactly what Hamlet in I think like Act Three talks when he's with the um, maybe two Act Two Rose when he's Cranston. with um, when he's with the actors who come to Elsinore, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's counseling them on how not to put on. Oh, right. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's like this exact. He takes uh, Dickens takes that um, the how not that image of yeah. it and, and puts it into <laughs> his yeah. work. Mm, yeah. And and when we do we, we, when we would do Hamlet it, yeah. and the ghost appears. And the things that he says are, are really, you can see that picked up in The Ghost of Marley when he's having that conversation with Scrooge in a big no way. Um, and uh, I so, haven't, so yeah, it's, I haven't it's interesting. It. And uh, I, so I thought that was interesting. But um, does, does the ghost yeah. even exist? Right. Right. Like, just just well, asking like that's Hamlet. A question. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's a question about Ham- that yeah. psychology, of, you know, the character and, and, and all that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, if, you're, if you're looking for another good audio version of it, um, I'll try to find it, and if I can send it to you, Basil I'll send Roth. it to you. Basil Rathbone, man, He's that is a fucking cool, great man. fucking yeah. name, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I want him reading fucking. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're talking a lot about abridged versions, um, and I think most, if our listeners, I'm, I'm wondering who has actually ever read this book. We're probably all most familiar with an abridged version, whether it's right, it's it's Scrooge, probably everybody. It's probably most people's touchstone. The Muppets for this Christmas movie. Carol, Muppets yeah. Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. and maybe <laughs> the like the the black and uh, the, not the black and white, wait the um the one that's like from the late seventies, I think mm-hmm. that everybody knows yeah, as well. Um, um, I can picture like Scrooge's face, right? Um, anyway, so let's talk about the book about actually now that we've actually George read. Scott. There we go. George yeah. Scott. That's that we've every year. Yeah. That we've read the book. Yeah. What What was surprising to you? Yeah. So I, I'll go back to it. And actually, Franco uh, sort of touched on it a bit when we're, we're talking about, you know, the ghosts and things like that. And, and that question of are they real? And is it, you know, this because if we remember uh, with Hamlet, especially. Right. He's he's isolated himself and, and things like that. So extreme loneliness giving way to sort of like this hallucinatory state. Um, and so I 
and, and of course, both those things happen in, in this as well. And so for me, I was picking up on a lot of these sort of like I was saying, socio-political things. And when I was looking at it, I, I really when there's these early mentions of things like the union workhouses mm -hmm. and these things that Scrooge contributes to right through taxation, obviously, but that he, he, he knows about and is actively contributing to. And he's speaking to his nephew, who's essentially a socialist, really, when we look at the way that he's mm -hmm. sort of presenting what, how he lives his life and, and how Scrooge views him as living his life. Um, in this sort of like communal aspect that he doesn't have much, but he gives because he, you know, sees that as the right thing to do and things of that nature. Um, I really started like thinking about like what kind of commentary might be being made here. And so I tried to take what you had already told me and, and remove it a bit and, and almost do like a new critical sort of like viewing of it mm -hmm. and, and, and look at, okay, we have Scrooge saying these things, you know, and I looked up what is uh, a union workhouse and it was essentially a place for the elderly, the destitute, uh, the orphaned um, and, and different things like that to, to go where you had everything. There was a bakery, there was, there was all this stuff, um, housing, uh, shelter, uh, beds, all this stuff uh, there and you would just work um, and you'd earn your keep and you'd have a place to live and you'd get your meals and stuff like that. Um, and what was interesting about it was the added component of that was that they wanted you to not take advantage of that thing. They saw it as necessary, but the government did not want you to take advantage of it. So they made you fear it. So they would break up families. Families couldn't stay together if they mm. went to the union. Like a debtor's house. prison as well. Exactly. Yeah. So it's very similar. And, and, and the more laws and amendments that got passed made it worse. So, but Scrooge sees this as a good thing. Yeah. But it's also a social program, which is a ent entirely leftist sort of thing when we think about it now. Yeah. Um, and so to make it, you know, so I went on and on and on and on. But when I started looking at it, I started to really think about like what commentary is being made because so much time is spent on giving Scrooge these extrinsic motivations to do right. Are we looking at empathy here though? And when I started to break it down, it seems like it's just this temporal thing because it's all about season, right? And seasons change and they turn and they're not always there. There's no real permanence in what it seems to be the message is that Dickens is putting forth here, which surprised me because in his other texts, there seems to be a permanence that mm -hmm. a change needs to happen. There needs to be a turning point and then things will be better if. And when you look at A Christmas Carol, it's, I don't think the same. I think that in A Christmas Carol, it's, it's sort of identifying that idea of flux that we will constantly be in this state of uh, uh, flux and he sees the Christmas season or Christmas time not so much in a religious way but as this period in which we sort of right our wrongs or make some sort of balance you're saying Dickens is saying I think that's that, okay. what the argument is and so to make a long story short I realize that was a long, little long-winded what what it seemed to me is not so that not so much that religion is completely removed from this I would say that it kind of is yeah and that what we're looking at is more of that sort of almost paganist view of this season and the season being a time for X. And to me, it seems like Dickens is arguing that the time is to create a balance at the end of the year during this death sort of season to make a balance of sort of uh, righting our wrongs and, and, and having this sort of uh, communal and arguably almost utopian moment uh, in life. Yeah.
So at, at the end of the book, um, it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> uh, Scrooge. Feel free to disagree, though. <laughs> changes right, and there's the yeah. common commentary that. But is the change, change permanent? This is what I was well, str- I was wrestling. They with. say that no one. I'm not going to get the exact lineup. It says no one kept Christmas better than Scrooge. So I'm wondering, though, did he just keep Christmas? Exactly. Well, how was he? I mean, he is he still Scrooge the rest of the year? We're supposed to. I think if we look at the text, I think he is a changed man, and he is way nicer. And also, is it enough? But D- does that make a difference then? Yeah. If, if if at least he's doing this, if that change is made. Well, it's well, it's interesting because we don't know if. If he's going to be redeemed, so he makes a change, and there's mm-hmm. no there's no promise of redemption. Yeah, yeah, he just decides to do it, which is. But it's probably from all true. these extrinsic motivations yeah. of the ghosts and and this. But if they we don't argue tell him that, that, that if you change, like well, Smiley does come, say, he comes right out and says yeah. in the beginning. But yeah. but we also don't know if they're real or if they're a manifestation of his own mind. So it, it might be he does have empathy where he is internally sort of uh, conjuring these ghosts and. Because they are memories, right? I mean, I guess the the future is a little bit prophetic, but we, well, we that's born out of fear, exactly, and 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 experience, and you can put yeah. those things together. So, who's to say that that it's not him actually sort of internally struggling, and then himself? I don't think any of it's real. Things. I think it's all gravy. I think he just had a bad piece of bad piece of meat, mm-hmm. or gravy. Yeah, 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 yeah. poison <laughs> gravy. Yeah. yeah. So here's what we do now. <laughs> at the end, at the end of uh, at the end of this this piece, Scrooge quote had no further intercourse with spirits. Thank God for that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> weird. We don't need ghost babies <laughs> running around. But uh, but lived upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards, and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. If any man alive possessed the knowledge, uh, may that be truly said of us and all of us. And so you know, as time tiny tim observed god bless us everyone so mm-hmm. you know he lived upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards i mean uh what's what do we make of that so that's where uh and it's you know it's capitalized like i don't know if this is a thing the total abstinence principle but maybe it meant something the, different diogenes diogenes is a philosopher of the ancient greek variety whom uh plato uh once described as Socrates gone mad, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw so I was thinking about that when it when it came up because I was like, who's that guy that just abandoned everything? And it's him. And so I'll, I'm just gonna read you this because this is what it made me think of. Um, <laughs> I love this unplanned. It's gonna seem like it was totally planned, but <laughs> it wasn't. They just happened to pull your philosophy book off the shelf. <laughs> no, this I had out because yeah. I was gonna read it no matter what. So, <laughs> um, so he he basically argues that in order to lead a good life or one that is worth living, it is necessary to free oneself from the external restrictions imposed by society and from the internal discontentment that is caused by desire, emotion, and fear. This can be achieved, he states, by being content to live a simple life governed by reason and natural impulses, rejecting conventions without shame, and renouncing the the desire for property and comfort. Mm -hmm. And so I started to think like, oh, wow, is is this where he's pushing... Like working in these extremes, is this where he's pushing pushing our Scrooge? Which you know the 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 branch of philosophy there is cynicism, yeah. ironically, because that word has changed since then, <laughs> to where we now see a cynic as someone, uh, a dick, yeah, <laughs> well, just, you know, someone who who's who's almost a contrarian, right? Yeah. Um, whereas here it was that society, we need to be cynical towards society, right? Mm-hmm. We need to we need to question it to the extreme and and, and go. No, if we abandon what it's telling us is of worth, then we will actually find true happiness. Yeah. 
and right. and and we look at a miser, and that seems to be uh, you know a little bit of the the argument being made. Can I th throw a just a thought out there? I don't. I think it I could be I a hand grenade, whatever you want. Okay, so Scrooge, Please, no hand grenade. Does he exist in a in a place of privilege to be able to change? Because he's got all this money that he can just now I think help absolutely. all these things. Yeah. Um, do you think Dickens is arguing that only uh, the rich people need to to do more, or uh, or that everybody can change in a, in a, in a way? Like well, every production of it posits that, that everybody people can change. can change. Yeah, yeah. No matter your circumstance. But why yeah. Scrooge? Well, that's the thing. Yeah. There's so much page time spent on Scrooge. There's these like very clear. Um, although I think. We have to give credit to Dickens and say that they're they're with that possibility, just like Shakespeare. If the ghost is not real, then it's not a a sort of like just I don't know dumb, obvious extrinsic motivation, right? Yeah. If it, it becomes that much more complex, if it is an internal struggle, which right. I think it is. Um, Do you think we, we we hate Scrooge more because he's rich, right? I, I, I think 1%? that it, he's, like he's, he's an easier <laughs> target, but it worries me that so much time is spent on that mm -hmm. because he's then given privilege. Like what, what of the person who is, is really trying and struggling with being a good person and giving back and they're already pretty all right. You know, they're, 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 yeah. they're pretty good, but they don't have, have that extreme, extreme wealth. I think what, what we're seeing here is, is sort of an emotional debt. Like Scrooge is behind in that way hugely. Mm. He 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 doesn't have sort of the emotional wealth that the nephew does, whose society society would look at him as as poor, just yeah. based on that obvious sort of poverty. But he has an emotional wealth because he has friends and he has love and he has all these things. I mean, Scrooge in the first few pages s snickers at at his nephew for saying, you know, why did you even get married, you idiot? Like he's he's yeah. uh, opposed to everything that separates a man from his wealth. Um, and that that's essentially what what's going on in those opening pages. But but then we look at that seems to be sort of the principle that gets pushed forth yeah. is is that the nephew is emotionally wealthy, he's spiritually wealthy. Yeah. I, guess I, I guess my problem with the end is that the way Scrooge fixes eighty percent of his behavior is, is just wealth. by throwing money at it. Exactly. Exactly. Go get, the, go get the fattest goose. Oh, you surely can't walk to Camden Town. Take a cab. And <laughs> and Scrooge was beside himself like this asshole is going to be in a cab well he's, him, he's like so happy that he just put a kid in a cab that a kid that could never afford it and, and i think that's the thing is 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 his worker only has one coal in the yeah. very beginning right and yet now he's 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 throwing uh money mm. away and it, it does it, it 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 goes is money then the it's like the simpsons quote like is it the cause of and solution to all of life's problems yeah, probably yes <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i i have i I often think because of all the wonderful things I have in my life, you know, that I, over the last two years I've been able to get out of a fairly shitty work environment. Nobody likes bragging, Nick. No, but like I, I've, I've developed a, a fairly... <laughs> let's, let's talk more about your life, Nick. I've, <laughs> I've been able to develop a fairly positive outlook on, on my life and the ability for life to be good if things happen. And... That is only based on the fact that I have a support system and I have cash in my pocket and I have a home. And yeah, I have. You know what I mean. So, but is it the latter? Like, like which is it that enables it all to happen? Like, I I don't know. And that that's what makes me feel sad about it when I think about it because it's like, well, I wouldn't be able to think this way 
if I didn't have all of these wonderful things. Exactly, because that, that's the thing that I, I always sort of remember is I was having a conversation in a theory class one time, and we were talking about high and low art or whatever. I'm sure I've mentioned this before. In any case, the outcome was very simply that time is something that the wealthy are afforded, and they can actually consider things like this. Yes. And, and, and really think about it and perhaps make those changes. Whereas when you're just surviving, you don't even have the time to think about this. And that makes their, uh, if, if someone is impoverished and they are doing good, that makes their doing good that much more valuable. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and impactful. And, and that, like, yeah. why you know, Scrooge because get all the glory? They're like an inherently good person, right? Then, because they don't have to be. And, and in fact, the, the argument would be that perhaps they even shouldn't be. Because it's to their own detriment, right? right? It's like self-sacrifice, you know. And and with that, we see all this focus put on put on the rich. I wonder if you know what is actually being said here is Scrooge is, is an isolationist, you know, in this way where he's absolutely just covetous of his own stuff. He doesn't want to even family interact with anything. It's just he's he's isolating himself. He's an isolationist, and the, perhaps the larger argument. And this is where I was going. <laughs> sort of end up perhaps the larger argument is that there needs like like isolationism at least is the wrong way to go no matter what else mm. is being said that isolationism yeah. is 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 the major argument being made here because that is what scrooge is from the beginning in a huge way and then that's he, the major so change you heard it here folks isolationism bad he doesn't even change the sign after Seuss, marley marley's yeah, dead you know so he's he essentially is almost an, uh, anonymous yeah he lives in like a and place. sometimes he claims to be marley he's he's yeah. he's you know he doesn't care um and I, I don't know that's that that was one of the things that that popped up i don't know oh so so the the line that that i that i read and I, I just as you guys have been talking i've been doing some side googling and things um it's very much a pun so having further intercourse with spirits we think about the spirits that he encountered right but the total absence principle is about um, restriction of alcohol and spirits and yeah. not having intercourse with spirits. So he no longer mm. drank at all either. Huh. Had, I didn't and, and realize he, yeah. Scrooge even drank. I thought right. he had Which some... Is, so this is weird to me, right? Yeah. Yeah. He had some gruel. That, that was it. Right? Um, so well, it links with ghosts, perhaps. Absinthe. Links, links, links with you, right? <laughs> well, that's what I was, well, I was wondering. I was like, did he have a lost weekend? Like, did he like, <laughs> yeah. you know, have like a real, which by the way is a great, great film, 1945, Ray Milland. Uh, really hopeless drunk has this like crazy weekend where <laughs> and he, he sees cockroaches coming up his arms and stuff. I mean, he goes, through, he goes through DTs like like it's like crazy. Oh, wow. like, but uh, it's really bizarre. They were using like weird film cuts, um, you know, very 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 pre CGI like yeah. you know, like these kind of things that we see in like crazy spiders and shit. Holy but shit. but to your point, like then you know it's about striking a balance. Maybe you know we have a theme of ex excess going on here. We have you know. Um, he has that kind of, you know, his his house and his room where he lives is like just this bare den, dark kind of like. It's like one yep. suite of rooms. rooms and that's all in disrepair. It's yeah. just, you know, tattered rags of things. The only thing that's kind of like upkept in any way is this little bed chamber, right? Yeah. So we swing to the side of isolationism, but, um, you know, but then at the end he swings to this other extreme mm -hmm. of like you know you talked about which is you know throwing open the shutters and calling onto the streets and doing that kind of stuff yes um, that's a significant moment too that's yeah. always highlighted the throwing open of the shutters yeah so i, I don't know like what, what do you guys day think is it uh, you know is, is there some theme is something here about um temperance and mm, yeah like 
self-imposed restrictions of going either way, like, you know, going to the isolationist mode where, you know, you're no longer engaging in the, the, the polis, right? Like you've, you've, yeah. you've cut yourself off from society. Uh, you're letting the operating wheels turn. You got the poor houses, you got the work you know, union, so things like that. You have the treadmill, you know, which is the literal wheel. I'm just going to take my money and kind of like live unto myself, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't know, I guess going somewhere with that. I, don't know. Yeah. I kind of agree with Scrooge a little bit in the beginning. And I don't know if that's my own like politics. I'm like, the fuck is I? the matter with you? <laughs> I gave it the office. Yeah. Basically what he says yeah. is like, fuck you. You yeah. got my money already, assholes. He, yeah. He's like, he's like, oh, I suppose you want the whole day then. And he's like, well, it's just, it's just, it's just once a year. It's like, yeah. not an excuse to pick a man's pocket yeah. every 25th yeah. of December. And it's like, make, you are Make kinda... work your favorite. How about that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, it is, I think ultimately... I do come back to that idea of recognizing that there is flux and whether it whether it counts, whether it is um, enough or not, recognizing that this season exists where then we give and then we balance the perhaps wrongs that we've committed earlier in the year, that that might actually be sort of the ultimate argument being made here because you know that idea of monism or heraclitus is you know sort of like philosophy that you know the one thing that we know for certain which is interesting because is that nothing is for certain but we're arguing that the thing that is for certain is this flux Mm -hmm. that nothing's for certain you know and and if we're looking at it that this idea of striking balance uh is the only sort of like intention we should have because we are human and we're inherently flawed and we're going to go in these different ways that may be unproductive or negative or or self-serving or hurtful to others but we can make a conscious effort to then counteract these perhaps he's noting christmas time Mm -hmm. as that you know i mean the movie that we were talking about earlier is called the man who invented christmas and it's interesting that he recognized dickens recognized this as either a cash cow in which it's a self-serving thing, but what principles is then he arguing are there? It could be, yeah, while I'm looking at this to profit from, I might also be seeing that it could have an inherent value that then could spread yeah. and strike a chord with much of humanity. And then perhaps everyone is of this idea that yes, we do need to give back and we do need to strike that balance because undoubtedly we'll do wrong throughout the year, but we can make it right or at least attempt to. So, uh, the, the movie is called The Man Who Invented Christmas, and when said it like two seconds ago. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> just, I was just, rec- <laughs> I was setting up my statement. No, no, he has out. things to say about the title. Oh yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, go for it. Thank I you. thought That's, we were doing. Good. Thank you because <laughs> I was so flummoxed. I, I, it's composing. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> it's like you aren't fucking writers. Proceed, Daniel. Thank you. So Christmas, when Dickens wrote this, was not exactly falling. Uh, it wasn't a forgotten holiday, um, but it was certainly falling out of fashion. Mm, it was sort correct. of a thing that people, they're like, oh, yeah. it's just Christmas. Like, it still would have been like Well, this is interesting honored, in, but in Britain because, you know, we're talking about a primarily pagan yeah. origins. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and so with that, we, we can't dis- discount that that's the... The foundation. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of modern scholars, and I'm, I'm just, just playing lip service to things that I've read um, from smarter people, that Dickens perpetuated this idea of what we uh, perceive as, as the modern Christmas celebration. 
because um, we think about uh, Christmas wasn't even a national holiday in the U.S. until 1900s, I think, 1800s, sometime later. Right. Because when you think about, we, we put this great importance on the crossing of the uh, Delaware. Yeah. Right? Yeah. On Christmas Day, it's like, what? Like, yeah. They just probably woke up. Yeah. They probably, like, oh, <laughs> they probably said like an extra prayer. It's like, fuck it snowing. Yeah. yeah. So um, Christmas, <laughs> if... <laughs> It wasn't like the World War One trenches, like the whole like stoppage of, yes. of battle and, and yeah, because it was like not right, yeah. playing football. Yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah. Dickens did a lot. So you're saying it was like a cash cow. Um, I'm not disagreeing with that, but it's not like it was a Hallmark movie where he knew like everybody was going to watch it. But but I think he People recognized. I think he recognized the inherent appeal of nostalgia or the inherent appeal of this notion of. Um, the intangible of yeah. the season, you know, so, that that exists. And, and, and he goes, let me perhaps see. I mean, there is something to be said about that. I mean, as a kid, I remember going up, I rigged a pulley system in my attic mm. so that I could bring down the decoration. Yeah. I did it myself for decades, you know, uh, because I, I, I love that, that feeling of unity and togetherness and, and, and the fact that everybody seemed like they were in a better fucking mood mm -hmm. for this month, at least, it's, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and really the screaming stops for a little bit and, and the arguments cease at least in small part mm -hmm. for that, for that yeah. month, you know, maybe that's not everybody's experience. Yeah. <laughs> that was my experience a little bit, but it, and it did happen. And, and that's one of those, that's one of those things where at the very least we see that there is something that is there. There's something that exists. There's some, uh, warmth or unity or, or, or intangible. And so I'm glad you brought nostalgia. So I want to point it back to the text. Um, Dickens goes through great uh, pains to paint Scrooge's upbringing yeah. as, as he was a good, Scrooge was a good person. Right. He was like, we actually feel sorry for him when we see little baby right. Scrooge. Yep. He's like by himself. Right. He's like playing Five with- Five pounds of fucking veal. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like playing, Look looking fair. out the window, having these <laughs> fantasies. Oh, so maybe this is interesting. Maybe Scrooge has always been uh, susceptible to uh, uh, fantasy. Oh, yeah. He's make, fancy. He's, Good. Yeah, that's- He's making up, oh, there's Alibaba. And yes. old school's like, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, like yeah. a creative mind ruined by business. Yeah. To some extent. So, yeah. And, like, and then he loved. Uh, right. Uh, he, had, he had a fiance. She left him because she realized, like, you are. You head down the wrong path, bro. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I can't, I can't be with this. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Fezziwig, right? He loved his boss. Yeah. He was like, he's got the power to make things either awesome or bad, but he always chooses to make things so pleasant. This is, yeah. this is great. Even at his own detriment. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, when he looks back on him, he's like, oh, he's probably in debt from those fucking parties and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So is it this idea of change or redemption? Ooh. You know, like yeah. what is he positing? Just, I mean, I would like to think, and I hold Dickens in pretty high esteem that that he's going for the for the bigger one. I feel like, Redemption? I feel like we're, no, I feel like change is, the, is 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 the bigger one. The fact that if we are human, we have the ability to to right our wrongs, to 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 make a change and and, and sort of impact the larger whole. Because mm -hmm. I think that's what change does. Well, to see one yeah. person make a change, we know that we can then do it, and it spreads like disease, you know, in a positive way. And and redemption is so singular and it's so individually focused that it's limiting. Yeah. I feel like it's reductive. What if this is like broad, like, what if this is, <laughs> what if this is actually satirical? Like, what if <laughs> Which we like, can't put past them. You know, no. like, yeah. I just, these suckers. Like that last line too, like, you know, just about like the pun with never having intercourse with spirits again. Yeah. It just gets me, like, what if people, There's I don't, a fucking I don't know how this was dummies. It sounds like it's, this was received, and I don't know this, but you might know more, Daniel, that this was received as a very um, kind of genuine, tale of you know 
it's coming coming to something greater. But um, but like, what if it's like, I, what if people heard this and were like, yeah, like that would happen. That fucking rich asshole. So now he thinks he's like great because he th- threw a, 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 a yeah a, a turkey at a family. You know, the day after Christmas. And people like that idea. He had a bad ride on his on his rich dinner. Yeah. You know, yeah. Some, some <laughs> fucking spirit. <laughs> like, like, I just I just wonder. Right. You know, like if it was also there was a subtext there about yeah, you know what, but. Well, to like, go back to your comment about Shakespeare, too. right? Yeah. There's so much in his in his plays that is geared only to the proles, right? Only to the people that are in that are in mm-hmm. the front that are that that is are these like sort of asides or these winks to them about fuck these guys, right? You know, like look, look at the rich; they're all gonna fucking die. They're just gonna the, the kings are gonna kill themselves because they're, uh, yeah. you know, it can be both. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Doesn't. In fact, I would argue it it is both. Yeah. And right. Dickens Dickens knew it. You gotta you gotta appeal to the um, you know, to the, he wants rich people to buy the book too, so he doesn't want to paint them as as completely worthless. Mm-hmm. So, uh, who They're would the publishers most times? Yeah, probably. who wouldn't love to read a story about about themselves? Yeah, you know and how great they are, right? I bet you in some some world somebody reads this that is a Scrooge and be like, yeah, I get that. I agree with this guy. I like that he's playing both sides all the time. Yeah, it seems like he's playing both sides all the time here because he's 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 mocking, he's genuine, and it's difficult to discern between the two if we're really deconstructing it. You know, if we're once you really start to do that, it's very difficult to draw a line. Yeah. I felt, um, and 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 to argue what's what's genuine or not. And that's why I, I had to kind of like pull back the history of what's going on. That you know his impoverished upbringing. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Dickens and and then also like what's happening at the time with the Victorian era and stuff. It's it's it, if it, that's why I kind of like peel that back. And if I'm looking just at the text, he's really kind of playing both sides and he's he's perhaps making larger arguments mm. to you know just society in general and and, and human nature, um, which he does. He does all yeah. the time, you know. But it's it is how, how do you choose, you know? Yeah. Covering up one more point and we will lead into wrapping this up. Sure. Okay. Uh, it's a long conversation, but. I, I like this. It was a good one. This, this was yeah. fruitful. Really well done. Yeah. Um, so Scrooge was visited by three spirits, past, present, and uh, of yet to come. So Bourbon, scotch, beer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking to get the front run. Fucking George Thurgood up in this bit. Hey, could you not? Hey, man. I was leaning up against a post. <laughs> <laughs> Look like you ain't trying to find no job. <laughs> That's Scrooge. <laughs> Which <laughs> is the landlady. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I know. And she was lovey-dovey. <laughs> Go get yourself a bird. After he visited three, visited by three spirits, he was lovey-dovey. He's all lovey-dovey. Yeah. So, <laughs> Scrooge's ch- <laughs> his change is almost immediate in right. after just the, when he sees himself as what he used to be. In the very first scene where he sees a young Scrooge um, having that flight of fancy with Alibaba, um, right. He starts getting teary-eyed, yes. and the the ghost with the the old person with the light on their head with the cap, mm-hmm. um, Christmas uh, past. Yeah, <laughs> they they take note of that, and Scrooge's like, "Oh, oh, it's nothing. There was just a boy that was singing carols earlier today, and I would have liked to have given him something." Right. And Scrooge, because he it's the beginning of the yeah. So it changes. So and and that happens three or four more times in yeah. that so a lot of productions they don't hit on every mm. thing that happens in each in each uh, stave yeah. Um, yeah he does it with Bob too and Fezziwig he says yeah. I would like to have seen my clerk right now yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. would it have been enough to see just himself uh, in the past to enact change would it have been enough does he need himself uh, I'm sorry uh, the past 
and then how things are to enact change? Or is it does he have to see that nobody gives a shit about him? Because that's that's mm. the big one at the Future. end. When nobody, yeah. when he's at his funeral and people are saying, oh, well, uh, I'll go, but only if there's lunch. Right. So is it really I, gradual I must be or fed. were they two failed attempts and it's really the third attempt yeah. that, that really had the impact? Someone maybe? took his... Scrooge only had, uh, I think, one like nice set of clothes. Someone took that. They don't put that in the in the plays or in the productions. Yeah. They took his new suit. It's like, well, he doesn't he doesn't fucking need it. And good thing they didn't waste it. And the person says, well, how they wasted it? Like by burying with it. And he's like, well, he doesn't need it. Yeah. Like the lady stole it from him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, he's just he's totally left to the birds. Yeah. So it's all it's. I think it's. I don't think he's a good person still. I think he's just incredibly selfish because he doesn't change until he sees how people are going to think of him. Yeah. He doesn't care about uh he doesn't care about them. He cares about how people are going to think of him. Yeah, so so it's he that cares about his legacy more than he cares about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's yeah. Scrooge brought us the turkey. Sorry, like yeah. Scrooge brought us the tur- brought us the turkey, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, that was anonymous. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. Because he wanted That's to right. go to the Cratchits the next day, That's right. and just to see the look on their face when when uh when he would show up. I th- I think what what's interesting is is when we Incredible start to right there. yeah <laughs> and, and, right oh, and, oh I made them I know yeah Are you enjoying yeah. that fucking goose yeah, yeah. oh no 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 it's anonymous yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think with a wink of big old is, <laughs> when we when we look at it though it, it's interesting when you start to consider and I'm not gonna go on a tear here but like when you think about the self and the other or othering right and 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 scrooge is the other in in this mm-hmm. story for sure he's he's he is the other people recognize their selves and and their identity and 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 what they view as the self uh in comparison to scrooge right the 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 nephew directly you know the the worker direct i mean just about everybody sees him as x and themselves as not x or not having x or y quality and when we think about this, it's interesting because ultimately that idea of legacy, when we're thinking about self or the other or anything like that, is where we actually have a universality among humanity, mm-hmm. is, is everyone is going to have an impact on everyone else in some way, shape or form, whether we're recognizing it or not in the moment. And so when you think about and this is, you know, this might be a lot of me coming out there, but when I think about it, it's that idea of legacy is on the surface inherently selfish for sure but at a at a deeper level if we're all trying to have people remember us well but remember us well in a positive sense mm-hmm. in terms of like having been giving or having had these positive attributes that have positively impacted other people's lives which ultimately i think scrooge is sort of like coming to the conclusion to uh, i think it's a little too little too late at the end but if that is ultimately everybody's idea of what a good legacy is Mm -hmm. if we all have that same sort of view is that people remember us well not because we just gave them shit but because we were seen as good or kind or this that and a third well then isn't that arguably showing that humans are inherently good well i'd say dickens would would say yes because that's what he was showing scrooge was good until uh, i don't know life beat him down i guess i don't know until he got a big bag of cash i think i think it's showing that you know like like we see all the time that that uh money is the the this inherent uh you know the the opiate of the masses you know it's it's funny that dickens is uh he's he's completely He's taking stabs at 
the exact group he wants to be part of. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because he's still, as we know, that's why I had, like I said, I had to remove the information that he's constantly trying to move up the social ladder and he's yeah. bankrupting himself. He was disappointed. So almost. He was disappointed <laughs> that disappointed he didn't make... in a buttload of cash, essentially. Yeah. You know, who wouldn't want a new kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I need a new bathroom. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Get new tile. <laughs> <laughs> final thoughts? <laughs> that kind of was my final thought. Okay. It, this idea of legacy, really, that, that was one of the things that stuck with me at the end there. I, I think this is really well done, uh, frankly. I, I think you guys did a really nice job, but I can't uh, add anything to it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. If anybody wants to send Tile, you can be reached Tile, looking for a new bathroom. <laughs> hey. It's because he got his bad. Like, you got to write your Christmas carol, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He got his bad recording of it. This is a LibriVox recording. It's like, who, why? How did that get past? There's got to be standards, even if something's free, right? Yeah, yeah. There recorded were none. On, yeah. Recorded on tinfoil. You got Tony yeah. in the back of Phil's steaks. Yeah. On twenty fourth and Passyuck reading fucking <laughs> Christmas. <my> hood. Um, <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories, I think, uh, of all time, and it's only growing larger in my heart. The more that I know about it and learn about it, um, and then getting this uh, beautiful uh, replica, which which we'll put on the Instagram of what it looked like when it came out. It's yeah. like a Christmas present. It really um, is. It's this little red book with it this has a little, little bit of a biblical tinge to it. A little it as bit, well. yeah, with yeah. the uh, the four colored plates. Mm -hmm. um, well, just the gilded, you know, spine and all that kind of stuff. And I'm wondering if, because I did have a lot of happy Christmases growing up, and a lot of people don't. Like the Very students true, that yeah. we teach, Most this is not a good time of year for no, them. No, it's bad. Um, yeah. In administration, in the office, like everybody. Or it is, and then it's immediately not because people bankrupt themselves they do. to yeah. have a good season well i don't know three weeks these past three weeks have been absolute hell because these kids know yeah they, it's gonna you be know, dark, we're, yeah. We're, you know the whole school is decorated and beautiful and they're gonna go and home it's, to, it's a reminder of yeah, things that nothing. they exactly don't yeah, have yep. so mm -hmm. um for for me it, i was fortunate enough to have uh happy christmas looking back it's Same, like how, yeah. how did oh my parents they they kept going into debt to make that happen mm -hmm. you know looking at it now um but I thank Why you am I just for doing that. Bologna sandwiches, <laughs> sometimes ketchup. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. It holds a very, very uh, warm place in my heart, and uh, I don't know. I think even if people don't have happy uh, ideas of Christmas, I don't think that I don't think it would be as good for them. Um, I guess that's a thought. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure, for sure. And I think it's 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 interesting because I was going to ask you if the connection to it was uh from a writer's perspective but clearly it's not yeah no because i think because it's fascinating writing is, to think about the yeah. history of it and, and that pumps me up a little bit i'm like yeah go with an idea until you know it's you see it to fruition like that kind of thing with anything from a writer to yeah. any kind of artist the know? writing's good but it's not top form charlie d you know you're right yeah chuck d can do better yeah yeah but six, but six weeks in six weeks it's damn good <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I got nothing. Uh, no, no, you guys. Uh, <laughs> That's no. It. I, this, this actually, it's uh, it's been a really interesting conversation for me because I I feel like I learned a lot that I I did not know about you know the around the production of this and yeah and I think that uh, you know where the conversation's taken us it's left me with I'm still kind of developing thoughts about like motivations and and why you know he might have cho chosen to to write what he did given you know where he was in terms of his his status as a as a writer and and what he was looking to you know kind of do for himself um you know professionally and mm -hmm. and to build his 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 name and his and also to his 
status and wealth and you know um so it's got me thinking a little bit more about you know what the what the intent was and behind writing it so yeah it's just it's great yeah, yeah. Uh, let me just clarify a thing i said earlier the mm -hmm. museum in london is in bloomsbury it's near king's cross station and saint pancras international i don't know where fuck sharon cross is i think that's <laughs> <laughs> that fucking even is maybe it's fictional yeah <laughs> um, daniel made it up at that at that museum in london they had uh his touring desk like his podium that he would use oh cool um, you mean a lectern yeah uh and the Morgan Library last year, it was the first time it had left England <laughs> since uh, Charles Dickens toured with it. So oh, last year, it shit. was the That's first cool. time that it had left uh, England, and it was in uh, the United States. That'll be in the next national treasure. There'll be like yeah. a little hidden compartment. It's really cool. <laughs> do, uh, all that stuff. You're not allowed to touch his desk. This is a inside tip for people. And uh, if you're going to go to the Charles Dickens <laughs> yeah, Museum, you you're not allowed to touch his desk, but... You too can reach your hand over the the rope that's like four inches from the desk. <laughs> yeah. It's shellacked so yeah. well. Oh, Feels like wood. Nice wood. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Right. Good stuff. All right. So after some, you know, in depth analysis of some high art, well, Dickensian deconstruction, we are gonna get to the low. <laughs> By that I mean Weezer's Christmas album. Uh, <laughs> This is I clearly I had to put my opinion out there right off the gate out of the gate because um, I have a, a best friend in Tom Bannon who loves Weezer. Daniel, you love Weezer. I I am inside never, Tom Bannon. I am you, your best friend <laughs> that is inside Tom Bannon. Tom I, loves Weezer. What? Whoa. Here's the. <laughs> Here's the. I knew it. No intercourse uh, with spirits. Yes. Yeah, no <laughs> intercourse with spirits. Um, here's the thing uh, about about Weezer uh, that's interesting to me is that, as some of us may know, you know, Rivers Cuomo grew up in an ashram. Uh, is that how you pronounce it? The like like a Hindi Never temple out loud. or a monastery yeah, or something like that, right? Like, a, and for like 18 years of his life in in Connecticut, right? Every song on. Weezer does Christmas. What is the actual title? I'm sorry. Oh, the name <laughs> of the album. So there's, so there's, there's two, there's two things that uh, we're we're gonna talk about from Weezer, and the song is from the latter. So Christmas with Weezer came out on December sixteenth, yeah. two thousand eight. It's like seven songs. Uh, six songs, and they're your traditional songs. We wish you a merry Christmas. Oh, come all you faithful. Oh, holy night, the first Noel. Hark, the herald angels sing, and Silent Night. So that came out. I'm gonna talk about that song choice as well, because yeah. So that came out in 2008, and their second CD, or I guess their first one, came out in 2000. And this is how I was introduced to Weezer Christmas music. <clears throat> it was in be right before the Green album recording. They put a two disc out of original Christmas songs, of uh, right. that was just called Weezer's Christmas CD, yeah. not uh, Christmas. With Weezer. Exactly. Which is, the other one. which is the other one, yeah. Yeah. So we're actually going to do a song from the original one, which I heard uh, at Pacific Sunwear when me and Nick Gregorio <laughs> worked. It was on like that sampler <laughs> CD shit. where you have to put in like yep. new songs. And yep. that was on our holiday mix. Both well, songs. Bright Eyes had one yeah. a little bit later on that I, I remember thinking, oh, this is cool. You know, um, That's funny. The, the Weezer one, I was not versed in until you, you know, of course, sent it to us for this. I'll say this. Um, of the latter album, the six-song album or whatever. Yeah, right. the non-originals. The non-originals. I bring up the Ashram just because every single one of those are the hyper-religious ones, except for We Wish You a Merry Christmas, 
which in my opinion was the best one because it was the only one. I mean, it's the it's the most low energy piece of garbage I have heard in in so long. Disagree. Like I I I I I'm listening to it and Disagree. it's just it's just wrong. There's, there's almost no inventiveness in in that particular album, right? The the covers. Uh, there's no, there's no, there's no spice. There's no flavor. I get, I get the only Weezer thing I get is the monotone of rivers coming through to, to just sear my eardrums. Not even this hot garbage. It's just garbage. It reminds me of, it reminds me of what they were probably eating at the union workhouses in, in Dickens, in Dickens time. Flavorless without, I mean, it's just, it's just sawdust coated in Christian nostalgia. I don't think you can see through your hatred of Weezer to uh, introduce us. I'm on a Weezer cover. I'm on a Weezer tribute album. I, I like uh, a, a few albums from Weezer. Really just two, Blue Album and, and, and Pinkerton. But that's Half what a lot of people fairly, say. Fairly good. See, I don't, I don't care for that at all. I think it's a huge departure, and I don't like it. Um, but that's the thing. I'm, I'm, Weezer's an album, or Weezer is a band for me who are not I, – I, I don't think that they – ever or can evolve i think that they do one thing really really well and i i limit them in my mind and my heart to that and so i'm not i'm not as open and that's why i have these very harsh views of weezer specifically this album the one where they're writing their own things i give them a lot of credit for that and so i was going to counter my hatred with with that because i think that that when they're taking that view they're they're ultimately kind of like looking at that feeling, that intangible, that I think uh, Dickens was was trying to to uh, <laughs> oh, to, to wrangle. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's Hercule Poirot, if uh, played by Kenneth Branagh in uh, yeah. Murder <laughs> on the Orient Express. Speaking of Hamlet, <laughs> yeah, uh, can we just drop that in the Dickens part of this? <laughs> 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 um, but so I give I give them I give them credit there because I give anybody who's who's trying to to sort of like make the intangible manifest like like that i thought was 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 cool the covers album i i i no way can get behind it is definitely six um uninspired versions but it sounds like Weezer playing these songs and if you're going to listen to these songs kind during of, christmas but only you might we as well. wish you merry christmas has like the background vocals and 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 sort of the i don't know the 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 rock sauce that that you you expect yeah. Of Weezer. I mean, like the album, just to me, it just strikes me as background for Christmas shopping. Like, that's, I think that's, that, yes, it's like and that's it's what Christmas. For, music, it's for yeah. Pac Sun. Like, yeah. it's like you know. Well, like, this one was not yeah, for Pac Sun. The originals <laughs> Sorry, were for Pac Sun. But, but you well, know I what typically, I, mean? but, but I think that that tone or that. I, I on average yeah. dislike original Christmas music. I think most of it is bad. I'm gonna make um, a juxtaposition that may change your mind in a moment. But I, I would say there are some exceptions. I can't really think of them. Can I? Can I? Can I offer one? That's a good point. If we're on, if we're <laughs> on, well, listen. If we're on Look. the uh, the 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 six song covers album, mm-hmm. all I could think of was Paul McCartney's Christmas song, which is the worst song Terrible. ever made. I disagree. I what? think I think it's awesome. Oh no. Right? I can't. I can't entertain wonderful. your thoughts How on Christmas music. Wonderful anymore. Christmas time. Do you think that's good? Here, let me explain. <laughs> wonderful Christmas, and you can fuck, fucking shit on me all you want. I don't care. Wonderful Christmas time. I think is excellent. Here's why. One starts off with that awesome delayed synth. Oh, I hate it. I love it. Whatever. It sounds like a gag song out of Christmas but Vacation. I'm, but I'm. But I'm uh, uh, partial to to synth. So I like that. Number two, he takes. 
the religious religiousity out of it, right? And literally doesn't make it Christmas. Christmas is no longer a word. It's Christmas time as one word, right? He puts time with Christmas. And so he is literally hearkening back in my mind to the pagan roots of this period of time. I think that's fantastic because that what is he's not a deep I was gonna say. Well, you know why? Because those guys don't get to that point without having some depth to what they're doing. Um, and do you I know really, Paul McCartney's music? I do. I love Ram. I think Ram's an inspired album. Wings. I agree with that. I Wings. I, I, I see what you're. I see where you're going, and I respect it and agree with it. But I will say, when we when we when we look at his au revoir, right, and we look at his entire, and we're, we're going to celebrate the man's catalog. Uh, he has albums like Ram, which I think are, are entirely inspired. And in any case. What I'm trying to argue is with that song, he's, I think, or I took it this way, reminding us that it, it, it doesn't have to be what Weezer did here with these incredibly religious uh, tunes that are so monotone and droll. He, he's inspiring it with synth, right? He's putting this sort of like new technology in the song. He's reminding us that what is has always been and it was well before Christ was on the planet. Right, this Christmas time, this, this this sort of feeling or whatever, it was on way before Christ on the planet. Weezer's just cashing in, and that's that album sucks. I I like that you're trying to convince yourself that that song is. I'm not good. trying to convince myself. <laughs> I love it. I really I, do. I when it comes out, I go oh, sweet. What a weak I, argument too. <laughs> Here is oh, this thing that's like, okay, and let me just compare it to the Beatles. Like, come on. Hey, man. I'm saying I there think some, there's some depth that Paul offers that Weezer falls well short I of. I think you are a covers. wonderfully articulate young man. I think that was the, <laughs> Let's patronize the him. Jesus shit. Christ. I remember. Oh, God. Uh, no, I, I'm, bing, 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 I'm, bing, bing. I'm kidding around, but I fucking hate that song. I, I, I can From see the that. depths of my soul. I can see it. I really like it. <laughs> I really like it. I really like synth, though. And I don't particularly care for Paul McCartney. Like, Ram, I love. But my favorite Beatle is undoubtedly George Harrison. Hmm. We're talking Beatles. Right, so we're talking Weezer? We're talking Weezer, though. Okay. Sorry. All right. So let's uh, <laughs> get back to this album. Well, and I think I might. Let's get in a big argument about this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I might change Which my. Which one? Which album? Uh, Christmas with Weezer. Okay. Because the originals are top notch. Two of my favorite Christmas songs ever. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. So much better. Maybe this is why the album lacks a certain uh, luster. This is from Wikipedia. The six tracks were originally recorded for the previously released iOS video game Christmas with Weezer. What? The tap tap versions of these songs lack the background vocals found in the released versions and are different mixes. So there's almost no background vocals except for the first track. There's more. Um, mm. There's background vocals. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I, maybe it was just a cash thing. Said, hey Weezer, iOS can you? Definitely. Yeah, can you? Every record? album Weezer has put out in the last fifteen years was a cash album. Amen. Disagree. Amen. Disagree. Make believe is fantastic. Fuck you, <laughs> Beverly Hills is the worst song. Every album has a bad song. Uh, but like, what I think mm. he's arguing is, how could the album, as a piece, right, stand when it has this very obvious. Non-satirical. Shoulder that's, to shoulder, baby. It's not satirical. Shoulder to shoulder. Beverly Hills is not satirical. <laughs> it's like legitimate. Like, that's how he feels. You cannot uh, judge an I, album by one say, song. I shouldn't say I, I know how he feels. I agree with Daniel I shouldn't say that. I know you how he feels. You cannot judge an album by one song. You're right. However. Right. Like, uh, if you were to judge Foo Fighters' first album by Big Me, you'd throw it out. No, I totally agree. 
Uh, and killed it. I'd hang it up in the. I enjoyed <laughs> in the hallway. I en- when when Make Believe was released. I enjoyed it very very much. I did. Um, it it's the closest to early Weezer that you're you're ever going to get yeah, in later it's, albums. It's just oh, it doesn't. It's it's a shadow. Well, the beautiful thing about Weezer is I think that they have always walked that line. Like if they took even the slightest step one way, they would become what you don't like in pop mm-hmm. music, right? Like um, they yeah. would be formulaic, they would be all these things, but they 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 have this beautiful ability to sort of like toe that line. And I feel like on many of the albums, the vast majority, they they just they just went went over it. And I also am a little biased cuz they're I, a little too prolific. Right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe they're just not maybe they're just not uh discerning enough. You know, there there's this idea of like when you do your first few albums, right? You're doing one of two things. Usually when we look you're you have these songs they came in this spurt of inspiration and it comes and you're like wow that's a that's a hole and it's awesome and it kicks ass way to go then there's this other thing where you put out your first album years after you've been playing and you've honed them to this and you've cut out the garbage right you've trimmed Mm -hmm. and really 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 revised and so you're doing one of those two things either it comes in this fit of inspiration six weeks Right. Or 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 you've been honing. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you're held to a contract if you've done something really good. And and then you must spit out in six more weeks. Exactly. (laughs) I think that's that's where we start to see the decline happen. Right. So there's always that that you can sort of give the benefit of the doubt of. But like this is purposeful. They went out of their way. And I love them for it. Oh, God. I will say this <laughs> about so, I don't think I've ever seen yeah, someone in person so here, dejected. Let's make another comparison. The Jackson 5 did a Christmas album. That's good. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's unstoppable. So you answered a question I was going to ask everybody. Can a right. Christmas album be good? Yeah, so, Jackson 5, so Christmas. Here's, here's my thinking about Phil Christmas Phil Spector has a religion. Christmas album that is... Christmas record. <laughs> Great. Christmas Great. albums are you like... You can see yourself out, Nick. Doing any kind of a Christmas <laughs> album, Christmas song, it's, it's just like the, the biggest risk... <laughs> you could possibly take as a musician. I mean, it's like For your one step. I mean, it's like one step lower than the risk of covering anything. Like, yeah, you know, I'd say it's higher. The risk is higher. I mean, that's what I meant. Okay. I mean, it's like low, like low, yeah, higher. Okay. I'm going like kind of inverse here. Like right. you're going deeper into the wells of danger. Okay, right? <laughs> like, you know, like it's like drowning in the wells of danger. Like it's like another circle of hell, right? Like that. And then if you thing. do a cover of a so, Christmas song, oh geez. So anyway, <laughs> you know, like. So what do you really want from that? Well, you want something about like the musicianship of the band, something that what makes them special to right. shine through in like a cover, f- a cover for instance. And these right? sound like Weezer versions of these songs, and which is I why I think it succeeds. Think, I don't think Weezer, in terms of their identity as a band, has like an identity. I, I don't think they they strive to make themselves appear in their sound as special. I think their whole idea as Weezer is. We are like, like generic hanging out in the yeah. backyard, playing like yeah, some yeah, yeah. groovy like fucking rock, like you know, like we're like just, you, you know, heard like, this from down the street you know, and you're gonna walk yeah, like, oh, into yeah, the backyard exactly. and go, yeah, like, pretty that's, cool. Yeah. I think there's something inherently always adolescent about Weezer, like there's just something that's like, good way of putting you know, it. So yeah, um, where I mean, if you're talking about the fucking Jackson Five, that's Motown. That's like, like that no is like. Whatsoever. I mean, they had the best the in the biz writing their songs. They're, for. They're complexity, yeah. There's like Latin yeah, right. rhythms on you know, some of those so, or, fucking songs. You know, gets, crazy. You want to like, you want to listen. You you you're listening to a Christmas song because you want to like listen to the artist, basically. Right. Like 
you're listening to if you're listening to Mariah Carey do a, a Christmas song, it's because Mariah Carey has these amazing fucking pipes, and you want to exactly. listen to her hit some crazy yeah, ass like, notes. And she Christmas blows. Not because you care about fucking Silent Night. Yeah. Like who? I've, I've heard that like a, a ten billion fucking times. Yeah. You've never heard it until you've heard Michael Bolton do it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe everything right? like, old maybe is new again. Maybe. But so that's what we have here, though. Yeah. Like Daniel is a Weezer fan, and, and a Michael Bolton fan, and for Daniel, like that sound. He wants to hear them do it. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Franco. I mean, like, he wants that chugging guitar over um, the songs that make him feel good. Thank that. you for accepting exactly, me as I am, Franco. Is. That is precisely. <laughs> My other friends could not. Yeah. <laughs> that's precisely why I, 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 I mean, Daniel told me to leave the room. I fucking didn't. But Bad <laughs> yeah, Religion put out a Christmas record, and I love that album because it sounds like Bad Religion doing yeah. a Christmas record. You want to hear yeah. Bad Religion? It's, what, it's fucking great. Yeah. And they put American Jesus on the back just to like stick it to people. You know what I mean? It's but, really cool. But here's another, right? So don't, then you have the people that don't care. Because <laughs> yeah. no, you, one, <laughs> no one else bought it but me. Yeah. <laughs> you also have, and I, I think I just am partial more to The Inventorist. Like I give credit there. The King's Father Christmas is a fucking phenomenal song. Right? I have that that single I listen to it constantly right the the B side is Prince of the Punks which is also awesome right and and th- you you have this fantastic like piece of work there where you you've done something I think that's the thing is like something like Christmas music in 2018 or even when we were born from the 80s on or or even you know go back to the to Motown stuff like that like you are really just sort of rehashing something that I I don't think necessarily needs it right unless you really want to hear that particular artist doing it with their uh you know you know sort of like tinge you know what nobody's ever covered grandma got run over by a reindeer and i'm fucking mad about it uh wait a minute doesn't prime us do they really? Oh, yes, they do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I don't know if I want to yeah. venture into that. <laughs> you should. It's oh, great. you should. I, I have heard it. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I just listened to that song for the first time in a, in a while uh, last week. Uh, they don't go out looking for her. No. They just, oh, they just found no. her the next yeah, day. She just wandered off. She was drunk. It's like, I'm going. I'm going home. Yeah. I'm just going to go home. Yeah. And well, then, you know, <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> it just gets bowled over yeah. by yeah, nine reindeer. Nine reindeer. There comes a time where you're not talking sense into people. And he's all right, just go. go. And grandfather, go. he's like they. It's like he seems to be doing well. He's just watching TV. He's all right. Yeah. Well, my wife and I actually had this conversation. We're like, I loved that song as like a five year old. <laughs> and what a dark fucking song to enjoy yeah. as oh, a yeah. five year old. That's that's most of the stuff you love as a five year old. I mean, saying "Ring Around the Rosie." Yeah. Plague. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full of posies. Yeah. Um. So the Weezer's original Christmas album. Right. Uh first one it came out in 2000 they sent it to like their fan club and it was oh, cool. and it was sent to um i guess like stores like promo companies so they could put the music on that's how i heard it it was right before they were going in for the green album and uh they have two songs called the christmas song which we'll talk about in a little bit it's the one we're covering mm-hmm. and the other one christmas celebration and i'm wondering so the lyrics of christmas celebration have probably had my favorite lyrics of any christmas song ever carolers are singing Registers Kachingin. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm wondering if that lyric in his head was just like rolling around for another seven, eight years. He's like, hold on. We could be those carolers. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. That's the thing. I, I did like, you know, when there's this extra layer, when there's some social commentary, when there's this sort of like this idea of looking at what you're doing mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of like 
I don't know, just poking a little fun at yourself at times. But like, you don't get any of that on a, on the straight covers album. You get no. it here, which which again, I give I, I give credit to that. I thought I thought it was I thought it was well done. I thought it was really really good. I think what happens is to go back to what Franco was saying is like is like yeah, you you're treading some deep and dark waters there, some dangerous fucking waters because. Had they just put that out, I don't think I would have had the response uh, if they hadn't put out the next one. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's there's something to be said about credibility. And if you're taking, if you're throwing your balls up on the, or whatever you have, on the table, and you're going, this is, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to write original Christmas music and put it out as as an album, and I'm going to present it as, as not a cash grab, as, as just a thing. This is what we want to do. This is this is what we're doing. Um there's a level of expectation that comes there, and there's there's a it's shaky ground, man. That's I think they stand. succeeded with the originals. The originals, I I I do not feel nearly as strongly. I think it's just that my view of Weezer you doesn't allow for poor. them to to it's to, to be that that much more than this this band that treads the line between purposeful pop music and and something inventive and cool it's and okay new if and you hate joy it's fine <laughs> well that's what tom always <laughs> says to me he goes he goes they're they're whimsical they're fun they're 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 meant to be something that isn't meant to be taken too seriously which mm, is what franco yeah. said as well you know and that and that's the way you have to look at them and i think i just because of the when they became big i was just getting into music and anybody that was given that much acclaim, I put up on this pedestal and had a level of expectation that was perhaps impossible for them to reach. And then when they do that on top of it, it made it a little difficult so for me. So it's your fault, not Weezer's. Uh, yeah, I would say it's certainly, any, yeah. everything's my fault. Fuck it. <laughs> Look, <I'm, laughs> I applaud Weezer for being able to stay relevant and sell out places and put new records out. Uh, Every six for, weeks. Uh, <laughs> for 30 years. You know that's an impressive really? thing. No, ninety four is a blue well, album, so 25. we're twenty twenty four years. Oh, twenty four years. That's yeah. an impressive thing for it's a band a long to time. do. Quarter Look, century. Yeah. Um, I I haven't liked anything since I liked Half of Green. Um, I haven't liked anything since then. But to be able to do what they do and just keep on doing it, like that's yeah. impressive. Like they they know exactly what they need to put on a record. Yeah, and I'll say it. It's one like, good song, and <laughs> and that's it. Well, I yeah, I think there is. It's something that's become formulaic because I, I, you know, I look at um, one of my favorite bands like Death from Above, and sadly, I may not go to see them the next time they come around. They played this tour was just their first EP. That was it. And they played it front to back in the first few songs, and I got like in trouble for being in a pit, and I was one of like four people who was you know reacting to the music in the way that i've been waiting 20 years to hear like i haven't heard it and i've been waiting and i was the only one who knew the lyrics to the first two albums it'd be like going to a weezer album to a weezer concert and only knowing the lyrics being the only one in the crowd to know the lyrics to blue and pinkerton well i think that's the case i do think that is the case okay so there's this there's this group that's that's now yes, i think they did a thing that the exact thing that green day did as well ah uh, all right they know how to put out a record. They know how to sell out a tour. But like American Idiot, I don't have the they same know what sort songs of like to play. visceral yeah. negative yeah, no. response yeah. to. Well, well really American Idiot was pretty good. Yeah. It's a really welcome to this album. Um, yeah. That's probably it's the a best fucking, one. It's fucking play, isn't it? Or like a, a Broadway musical or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah Broadway musical. But, but, this but Green Day it, and Weezer did almost the exact same thing with their career. I would say one did it way better. I would agree with that. Weezer? Oh, Green Day. But Green Day... 
has put out some really fucking bad music. True. Did Weezer get inducted to the Hall of Fame yet? I have no idea. I don't know. I know Green Day did. They had their super inarticulate uh, uh, acceptance speeches. To be expected. It was painful. Oh, <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds pretty on point. His name is Trey Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had a r- album series called Uno Dos Trey. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Oh God! I, I got you. So the, n- the, n- the next song, um, uh, the Christmas song, the one we're going to cover. Uh, like, let's like us dig into that. Um, I love the song because it's it's pure Weezer. It's like Weezer at their best of their songwriting. It's got the melodies. The guitar solo is the vocal melody, mm-hmm. um, and it it touches another sweet spot for me, which maybe other people feel this is, is way, and they maybe don't know it. Uh, the best Christmas songs are the sad Christmas songs. Totally. Yeah, but think about this. I, you're right, I think you're right. Christmas you're, shoes, whatever that. Exactly, fucking, I was about that to say is that. A fucking nightmare. That is an. I said the best, Nick. Well, I'm just saying that's a that's, that's, the, a, the, that's saddest the saddest one yeah. and the worst. I mean, Pat Oswalt uh, so rips that apart for what the, thirty minutes on <laughs> yeah, one of his great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I I'd agree with that. I agree with Promise that. But that's the thing. Oh like, I think what you notice is the the composition <laughs> is. With their with their original stuff, I, one of the things that I loved about Weezer that I don't think I've ever been in a band in that that has done this well is really developing those layers of vocal melody. Mm-hmm. Bad religion. I, I said things that I've been in. I know, I'm man. Just kidding. Jesus, I'm just playing around. <laughs> I'm just trying. No, but like, but that's something that Weezer does so well. When they do it well, it's like it's it's really noticeable. You're like shit. That they thought about that shit and they mm-hmm. executed it perfectly. So I'd I'd agree. There, there was intention behind this, and if you listen to them both, you know the 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 the, the two song EP versus the uh, six song EP. There's yeah. well, it was eight years later, uh, right. but there's a huge dichotomy. One was done with intention, and the other was farting on a, the snare. This is what we time. yeah. Well, this is what we sound like, so we must do this thing. Yeah, I'm fine with that though. I think I think the record company asked them. To- make a fucking christmas album. i think it was yeah. a video game i think it was oh it was the video yeah tell me more about the ios app that's all I, that's all i know <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah, like the, the worst app. App. which would have the songs <laughs> would have been better it's like it's like if you <laughs> asked yeah. for like, like a, a guitar tone. hero yeah. it was like a tap tap phone. thing the, maybe you're tapping if the they only oh. existed in the video game and we can only get like the bootlegs that would have been better right like eight bit sound yeah as they're not weezer's not too far off from eight bit sound sometimes Dun, dun, just yeah, chugging, chugging, yeah, chugging along. Um, yeah. So I, I think that sad Christmas songs are the best, and uh, Christmas song is a sad one. It's yeah. like a guy's pining for someone that said that they would be there by their side, and here I am sitting beside the tree all by myself. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. Great. I, I, the thing that seems to be the theme here that we're we're noticing throughout is that there is this sort of like intangible need for community, yeah. and 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 that exists throughout for this particular season mm-hmm. and it's one of those things it speaks to that inherent human nature that we are social creatures we're inherently curious we're also social creatures and i think that those things combined we we are always sort of like i don't know lost in wonder mm-hmm. and I, frankly that's why these things exist because we're, we're we're questioning them and stuff like that and with that one, I don't know. Why do we remember tragedy more than we do comedy? It's like it's it's one of those things. I think it touches touches a core, and to combine it with Christmas, sort of like nostalgia and that that need for togetherness and and whatever. It's very smart. It's very clever. It's very well done. Because they're Weezer. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> uh, any any thoughts before we get into it? 
Uh, again, the juxtaposition is just so rough because it's just. It, it, <laughs> I wish I had. Way to bring it yeah. back around. Yeah. Shit. I felt like I've we never landed s- on yeah. a really like nice chord. Yeah, you did. And, and, and then he wiped his whole face. He was so <laughs> distraught. Dakota now is really bringing it yeah. It's like Marley's face on the door knocker just <laughs> melting. He's like. Because, you know, it's like if you had just given me the one, I wouldn't have known about the other. But because yeah, I have that knowledge, I cannot unknow it. Well, all, all right. right. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's play the song. The song, yeah. Yeah. You told me you would be here by my side, warming my heart on this cold winter's night. Here I sit waiting beside the tree all by myself By myself You told me you would move heaven and earth Cheering my spirits with laughter and mirth Here I sit waiting beside the tree all by myself That turned out well. I think it was beautiful. It's the best we could hope for these best days. We well, <laughs> <laughs> I awesome. tried to I tried to take a, a Dickensian approach to it. Uh, oh, yeah. Just bang it out in six weeks. There you go. But I, yeah. I shortened it down to yeah. s- hours, six less than six hours. I didn't even know like. <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, I think it, it has uh, left us with cause for celebration. So we will be looking at drinking 
indulging ourselves with the Sierra Nevada Celebration. Uh, one of my favorite beers. I will be perfectly honest with um, the, I don't know, sort of like shift that happens after college when you start getting into better beer. Perhaps it's happening younger now because especially in Philadelphia, there's so much good like, you know, beer being brewed. Even your, and stuff your, like that. your regular corner bar exactly. is going to have... And so that wasn't the case when we were younger. You know, you you had Yingling and you had Coors and you had Bud and that was pretty much, you had very limited options. Um, And so Natty Light and shit like that. Mm. In any case, Mm. when I first started to uh, notice that there was other stuff out there, of course, Sierra Nevada, founded in 1980, one of the oldest independent brewers that still remains independent. San Francisco, right? I believe so. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, thinking, maybe I'm thinking Anchor. uh, Chino, Chino. Okay. Yeah. Um, California, anyway. Chico. Chico. Sorry, because that's where the Chino is jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's where the hops are, baby. Yeah. California. Yeah, they're bre- brewing um, in uh, Mills River, North Carolina, and Chico, California. Oh, North Kakalaki. So that's how we're getting some of it. <laughs> this is this is a wonderful C episode IPA. <laughs> it's not a Christmas beer. So like Christmas beers are typically really high in alcohol content, and oh, their profile. Exactly. Yeah, like super robust. This I think is a little bit more tempered. Six point eight percent. Absolutely delicious. This is one of the first ones where I was like, "Fuck! I wish it was out year round." Because when I think of an IPA, this is what I think of. And then Lagunitas IPA I think is a, a comparable to to it. But this has a little bit more flavor, a little more spice to it. So what I wanted to do, uh, perhaps to start a tradition, is these are dated. The celebration comes out once a year, and it's dated with the year it comes out. So I have 2017's celebration here. Ooh, I saved ooh. one from last year, and uh, I'm going to ask that, uh, you know, we give this a try, do a little comparison. All right? That's so a really nice idea. I'm going to, yeah, you know, what the hell? Because perhaps it did age a little bit, and maybe some notes are, are different. A few years ago at the bar. And the years are different, too. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. they, they do change it uh, a little bit each year, right, the Sierra celebration? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I remember 2014, for whatever reason, sticks out as a particularly good year for the celebration. A few years ago at the bar, we're probably talking maybe 10 years ago at this point. Um, man, my, how time gets on. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we Golly. My lordy, Ooh. how time does get on. I miss my friend Andy Dufresne. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> I think we overordered the Mad Elf. I still miss my <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still, that yeah, that's a classic yeah. Christmas. Ale. So we we overordered uh, Mad Elf, and we decided just to just keep one for the next year. And uh, this is like maybe two thousand and eight at the at the time nine, and the next year it was fucking exquisite. It mellowed. No shit. And it was sneaky because it was still thirteen percent. But it was yeah sneaky because well, that has sneaky. those cher- it's what's a chocolate mm-hmm. and cherry that yeah. are the primary notes for the Mad Elf. Yeah, it was the if super smooth correctly. mellow cherry yeah. ale. Well, the higher in alcohol you get, yeah. right, then you're more apt. It's like those bourbon counties, those Goose Islands. You know, mm-hmm. the more apt you are to get a mellowing and sort of a mm-hmm. a, a melding of the flavors yeah. and have the more, uh, I would say delicious aspects of it become more pronounced Mm -hmm. you know i'm hoping there was one that came out this year with the bourbon county it's a orange like orange zest and chocolate and i hope that that after a couple years really becomes pronounced but uh these things tend to age well 
Exactly. That's yeah. what we're saying. So we're going to see. Okay. This is my first uh, experience uh, and attempt at this. I've never saved one from a previous year and then drank it a year later. So um, I would like us to try the 2018s first. We'll give our, uh, you know, assertions as to the note. Uh, 2018s first. Damn it, good choreo. Fuck and, it. <laughs> and we'll Cheers, see. Gentlemen. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, gents. So right up front, you, I'm getting the uh, the sting of the hop. Ooh, a little dry. Yeah. Yep. This has um, the back end of exactly what I like about Christmas beers. Mm. Uh, spice. This is not a Christmas yes. beer. Comes out at it's this It's a celebration. Time. It's a celebration. Yeah. Well, I hold mean, on a the second. The picture is I'm literally sorry. a log cabin Fucking with, talking. with a wreath. <laughs> it's a celebration. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was trying to defend you. Sorry. Anyway, it just... It, it has the spices of the season that you would typically find in go. seasonal beers um, brewed around the time of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd argue this is hearkening back to the pagan traditions of the Yule season. <laughs> All right. It's a I celebration. Yeah. I'll read. I no, mean, I like on it. the fucking it's label, good. it says a special ale for the holidays. Celebration IPA features the first hops of the growing season. Cash so we grab. have... No, that pagan sort of tradition. See, it's now Daniel's pagan. just digging his heels in. And, and I was supporting him. It's, it, that's, I mean, most of the pagan traditions come from some very literal sort of like connection to the earth, right? And we have the first hops of the season that are put into this. Um, you know, th th this pioneering ale is full of complex flavors and aromas from the generous use of whole cone American hops. Frankly, I don't see this is not a bad beer but i don't i really like it. i don't see a huge difference between their regular pale ale or uh frankly their torpedo ipa as well these are kind of so i'll agree with you there i think the torpedo i love the tropical torpedo because mm -hmm. i think that was a a really nice divergence from this kind of flavor i will agree with gregorio though i think that on the back end is where we're really getting yeah. that difference i think there is quite a lot of that seasonal taste i'll say this that's hit me in the that seasonal back end that has this mm -hmm. is the entire flavor palette of sly fox's christmas beer Oh, okay. So, so you get no build. It's no. just so whack. Sly Foxes this is more just like a, an IPA? No, it's more of a spicy. It's Like I said the spicy last episode, ale. it tastes like Christmas. There's no spice in this, though. It. I disagree. I'm getting some of that star anise. Yeah. <laughs> if you will. Motherfucker. Yeah, he's fucking <laughs> with I'm you, man. I'm fucking walking he out of here. fucking with you. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm... Certainly getting it, and it's uh, it's pretty tasty. Let, you ready to do the experiment? Yeah, let's let's do the let's do the experiment. I'm getting the uh, th they're saying mm -hmm. notes of pine and citrus. Yeah. I'm getting the the, the pine. Yeah, and so I'm definitely there. Yeah, and you know, it's it's like, you know, what might be more comparable is um those yards, um, what are they? Ales of the Revolution, where they have that spruce yeah, ale, those, spruce, those old yes. sort of traditional recipes. Yeah. Perhaps they're I trying to there. align with I that. Go there. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. a nice idea. I mean. Absolutely. 17s. 17s. Let's try a 17 and see if anything's mellowed or changed. Should we cheers again? Cheers again, of course. Why yeah, not? Cheers. Why you go, buddy. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Are you uh, ready to share with him? Actually, you know what? Here you go, Daniel. All right. Oh, there you go. Bottle it. Is it 17? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me get a clanky clank. Oh, yeah. Clank it. 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 Clank it.
You know what I mean? There's like, not nearly um, as much hops. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it almost tastes. Like that has got that tavern spruce thing happening. Yeah, at the end. yeah, yeah, yeah. You are getting a little bit. It's definitely like, I I was gonna say creamed it a bit, but like, easy. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what I meant. Spiritual intercourse. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be so difficult to make any sort of sense here. Um, because what I don't want to say is watered it down. But what I do want to say is that it's melded nicely and it's not as harsh, let's say. Um, but it's not, I don't think the 2018 is harsh. I think that this is just sort of like melded and, you know, put those flavors together in a smoother context. No? Uh, no yeah. I. It tastes like it tastes, oh, yeah. like, it tastes like a good, like a good IPA. Yeah, that's kind of what it I is different it. though. It's distinctly different. Yeah, I'll say that. That the bite true. has been has been uh, neutralized. Yeah. yeah, and neutralized. Not them. As, that kind of dry sandpaper thing them. happening. A little bit. I mean, I don't know. You know, like what happens when you rest an IPA for a year? Like, is that right. just kind of like what occurs? You know, over true. Time? Yeah. What happens if I open a Coors Light after a year? Dude, I had a Coors Light. Very bad <laughs> I had a Coors Light that was a. Uh, it said on it, "Proud sponsor of the 1996 Olympics," and it was uh, before the wide mouth can. So it was one of those skinny guys. It was in my parents' fridge for years. I think I had it in 2002. Did you drink it? Oh yeah. Um, Did it get you not, drunk? Yeah, not a good idea. Not a good. Did idea. you get sick? It, it was like it was a belly upsetter. Mm. Like you don't get sick, but you have. Very weird situations. Yeah. For the next, my buddy made a very bad. Start seeing uh, spirits. Well, I would imagine like something from inside the can probably also like like deteriorating. Yeah, Yeah. like yeah, because it's not a high alcohol. It's like four percent. Yeah. Sam Elliott would drink that and not have a fucking problem with it. It was a bad idea. All around a bad idea. This I think wasn't was a bad idea, and like we were saying, you know, every year they do something a little bit different. So it'll be interesting. I have a 2018 in there. Meet us again in a year, and we'll see if uh, if something's changed. But overall, I think the celebration is one of my favorite things. Sarah, they don't do bad stuff. They really don't. Yeah, they're good. They're nooner. It's top notch. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a good. Love the nooner. Yeah. Uh, what is to uh, maybe maybe wrap up the beer section. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite legit uh, spiced winter beer? Good question. Yeah, jeez. Good question. Um, so what's interesting is there was this one that was, um, crap. I'm gonna I'm gonna blank on it, but it was a, a Jewish brewery, and it was called something like to celebrate the season. Mm-hmm. But it was was a yellow label, right? There's the usual stuff with the yellow label on the top. Cannot it's remember. It's got the it. the uh, Hebrew. Writing. Exactly. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and uh, I found I was like, I don't know why the hell I had. It. I think I was just up at the foodery getting yeah. you know my six pack of various seasonal goodies, and um, and I I was like, let's try this fucking one. I haven't had this before, and it was really good. I forget what the hell it was. I always want to say Fezzy Wigs. Yeah. I literally want to say there is a uh, but there is yeah. Wigs ale. Um, that's not the one I'm thinking of. That one's pretty Sam good. Adams too. That? I think Sam Adams. I think it's Sam Adams. That's right. But that that's not my favorite. But that was the most surprising to me because it was really, really, really good. I, if I'm being perfectly honest, was it was it? I think the one that I know was called Hebrew. It's H E. Yeah, Hebrew, Hebrew. Of course, Duh. Messiah. Oh, the Hebrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was it sort of on the nose there, Yeah, yeah. 
Nut Brown Ale. See? Episode. <laughs> <laughs> we had some fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that that was my I would say most surprising one. To really put a, a finger on it, I, I don't I really don't want to because I don't particularly care for those like fourteen percenters. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't really like them to be perfectly well, honest. Because they like, taste like straight alcohol and blow you right up. They hurt. Yep. My favorite is the Harpoon Winter Warmer. Mm. That's a yeah, good one. That's that real is good. true Christmas in a glass. Yeah, that is a really good one. Now you're having me think. I'm remembering there was a Saranac one that I actually really liked, and I don't particularly care for that brewery. Yeah. They had one that came out that was Ooh, really Sammy good. Sammy Smith's Winter Warmer. That's a good one, too. Ooh, Remember, we did, we did, we did, we did the Winter Warmer, warmer oh. Winter Cigar City, which was really good. Right. That really kicked yeah. my ass. That like, was. Uh, that was a kick in the nuts. I like the 21st Amendment Fireside Chat. I have not had it. Like. Ooh, it's a good one. Too cloying for me. It's no, good. sir. No, thank you. No, and uh, I like Port Brewing's uh, Santa's Little Helper. It's a good one too. Yeah, mm. yeah. But that's more of like a. Uh, that's like a. It's a winter. They, they have yeah. Them, like the kind of winter. I mean, it's a fun label. It's green. Yeah. It's got like the candy cane. Yeah, they're sitting at the table. And yeah. Sit with a Santa, a fucking elf, or a deer, mm-hmm. reindeer, or something. Yeah. Actually, I just remembered. This is probably my favorite one. The accumulation. By New Belgium. That's delicious. That. No, I never had that one. That's a newer one. That's delicious. Yeah. I have a very distinct memory of, <clears throat> I've said it's Sly Fox, you know. Yeah. A uh, very distinct memory of that. My my grandmother had just passed, and we ha- were having a reception after the funeral at Brittingham's, which was, uh, it used to be a very nice little Irish pub, which is now not that anymore. Okay. But um, we were there, and it was, I think it was the first time I was able to drink a beer in a bar with my father. Oh, and nice. um, the the tap had the foxtail, mm-hmm. and it was their Christmas beer, and I had it, and it just from being very sad to drinking this wonderful Christmassy thing that made me feel all the things that we talked about today, like nostalgia and 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 joy from being able to spend time with with my grandmother who had passed. Um, I think I am heavily biased towards Sly Fox because of that. Yeah. But I think that is is fucking Christmas in a glass. Acceptably so. Yeah. It's nostalgia, yeah. man. Yeah. That's great. That's what the celebration is. I, I mean, the, the the label for me does that. When I see this in the the distributor, I like feel that. And I think, you know, not to purposefully do it, but really to bring it together, that's what, you know, he was going for. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think, you know, Chucky e. D., Saw <laughs> that this was something that exists, and why not try and like, you know, take part in it? Yeah, yep. yeah, make some money too. Exactly, but yeah, and nothing that's, wrong with making a little extra side cheddar. Well, every <laughs> every brewery seems to be doing it, but there are some that are going to stick around, and perhaps Sierra Nevada because they've been doing it for you know, what thirty eight years that they, for me, are the ones that I see or I had that initial. Uh, connection too but like the accumulation is relatively new new belgium's not an old brewery by any stretch of the imagination and that one's really stretch fucking of good. the what imagination i might have roll that tape back 2017 i want that to be my ringtone that is such <laughs> at a least until christmas nicely done uh well I'm going to offer a cheers to everybody. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. To the Christmases that we have celebrated, to the Christmases and holidays that we are celebrating, and to all the ones we will celebrate with friends that we already have and we may have alike. 
Absolutely. Nicely done. Beautiful. Now, make sure you check us out on the social medias at uh, Instagram at book.record.beer on Twitter at bookrecordbeer and on Facebook at bookrecordbeerpodcast. We're on iTunes. You know that well enough by now. Please go and share our show. Give it to whoever you love, perhaps a Christmas present. And we can all say with the utmost confidence that we wish you and yours the happiest of whatever holiday you happen to be celebrating at any one given time. Jingle those bells, baby. Happy holidays, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. Father Christmas, give us your money.